Good morning, Church. How are y'all feeling today? We are so excited to be able to worship with you. Can you stand to your feet as we worship our God? Come on, today we are here for your presence, God. Come on, can we sing this together? Come on. Put your hands together right Shout your praise from my hearts to your ears. All the glory is yours now forevermore. Hear our worship, all we can give is for you. Yes, we're here for you. Come on. Our hearts are ready. 
Miracles happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. Miracles happen when you move. Somebody open up your mouth and bless the name of the Lord in this place. Come on. 
it on one accord, the Spirit of the living God can rest on us and can perform some miracles in this place and can perform some healings in this place. morning everyone good morning everyone how many y'all believe that that's not just a song like those are not just words miracles happen when our God moves healing is available in this room right now if we can just set aside whatever it is that we have going on and ask God and cry out to God that he would move he is moving he is healing. He is setting free. He is delivering. He is restoring. He is whatever it is that we need available to us today. In the name of Jesus, it's already done. Amen. Amen. So good morning, everyone. I come to you guys on a mission to welcome you all to Converge Live. Thank you so much for joining us right here in person for our in-person worship experience to Converge Nation. We say hello to you and we thank you for joining us via live stream today. If this is your first time here with us, it's a good day to be here. We welcome you if you are our first time guest. We're not gonna make you stand or do anything like that. We just want to say thank you for choosing to spend a portion of your day with us. To celebrate your first time with us, we do ask, stop by the Welcome Center at the end of our worship experience and connect with our pastors. They want to greet you, get your name, and thank you personally for joining us today. But we also want to give you something. We don't do this just to get anything. We do it to give and to be a blessing. We have a small gift. And it's just our way of saying thank you so much for choosing to spend a portion of your day with us today. Amen? Amen. So there is a lot that's happening at Converge. And the best way for you guys to stay in the loop on everything that God is doing right here in this house is to connect with us on our various social media platforms. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at We Are Converge. And you can connect with us on TikTok at Converge Church. Like the pages, subscribe, share with your family and friends, and then take, available, or take advantage of all of the great content that we have available for you. We also want to let you know that every second and fourth Sunday, Converge students meets over in the rail at 10 a.m. Today is second Sunday. So if you have a child that is in the sixth through the 12th grade, we want you to have them join our student leadership team over there in the rail. They are praying, they are preparing. As Trey said a few weeks ago, it's not all popsicle sticks and pizza. They do have fun, but they are getting the word of God. So we want your students to connect with us over in the rail. If they're here now, have them go on back. If not, we'll be there again on the fourth Sunday. We also want to let you know that our students are going to be attending the final church clothes tour featuring Lecrae, Elevation Rhythm, and Doe Jones on Sunday, April.
April 23rd in the afternoon at UT Arlington. So if that is your thing and you want to join us, go ahead and see our student leadership team to get information on the tickets and how you can purchase them and all of that good stuff. Cassie, you got anything for us? Thank you. Am I on now? Perfect. Also, if you have not yet, we have kicked off our week groups. Try again. Uh, if you have not heard yet, we have kicked off our V groups. Yay! Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the men. I've heard some things. Saturdays, 8 a.m., that y'all have been having a great time on Saturdays. But the ladies showed up this last Wednesday. We had so many. I don't know what the count was, but we are four, oh, 48. We should know exactly the count. We almost um, overflowed the rail. So um, here we grow. Uh, we might need to find a new spot soon, but we had a great time connecting. We get real. It's your time. We talk about um, not just being face to face, but finding your circle. Uh, we come here. We worship on Sundays. We give praise. We learn. But in our V groups, we do life together. We talk about the real stuff. We, we talk about the stuff that sometimes might be bringing us through the door on Sundays because we're broken and we've got things going on. That's the real life stuff that we just need to dig into. And we do that and we do it deeply. So join us in our V groups. Uh, Wednesdays for the ladies, Wednesday nights at eight here. And then Sundays, um, sorry, seven. Seven on Wednesdays and then Saturday mornings at eight. And then also we've been talking about our water baptism coming up on February 26th. If you or uh, one of your uh, family members, uh, somebody you know that goes to Converge has made the decision to follow Christ and you have not publicly shared that with the world, with us through a water baptism, please sign up. We have a QR code. Um, we'll also have a link afterwards if you would like to sign up to make sure that you're part of um, that list so we can celebrate you on February 26th. And that is that's it from me. We will have Pastor Jesse come up for a blessed life segment. Good morning. Come on. Good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for coming and being a part of our worship service today. Look at someone and say your hair looks good. Look at someone and say, I like your new shoes. Amen. Thank God. We are so excited and we are so thankful that you decided to come and worship with us today. And so we want to give you an opportunity to bless God with everything that you own and to give him your first and your best. And so we want you to worship God with us in the giving of your tithes and your offerings. Raise your hand if you need an envelope and the ushers will get you one. This is one of the ways that you can give. You can give by filling out the envelope in its entirety. Please fill it out so that we can what? Read it. Thank you so much. Also, you can give by texting 77977 and text the dollar amount and give. You can also give by going online to weareconverged.com. And you can give by downloading our app and clicking on the icon give. You can also give through Zelle and you can give through Cash App. On Zelle, we ask you to use the accounting at weareconverged.com email when you're clicking on that association. All right. Anything else? Nothing that I can see. Well, close your eyes for a moment with me. I just want you to be thankful right now in your own heart for what God's done for you. Has he done something good for you this week? Yes. Let me answer that question. 
Have you taken an opportunity to thank God for what he's done for you? And that's what we get to do right now in our worship of giving. We get to thank God for how he's blessed us. Just in your heart, you know, without even mouthing it, just say thank you in your heart. God, we thank you today. We worship you today. God, we give you everything that we got. God, you got me, you got my money, you got everything I got belongs to you. And God, we just give it to you today. God, you've blessed us here at this church. You've blessed the people who come here. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, almighty God. You've shown your mercy. You've shown your grace. God, I pray that you bless our tithes and offerings today, that we fulfill your will in this church. It's not about what we want. God, it's about what you want. And so we thank you for the people obeying the word of God. And we thank you, God, that you put your blessing on it, that we may accomplish your will here at Converge Church. In Jesus' name, let us all say together, amen. Amen. Thank you for your giving. What if we could love the way Jesus did? Passionately, faithfully, powerfully. What if the way we love could make a difference in the world around us? What if that love looked at everyone the way God does? A love which doesn't see the past, but is consumed by a desire to see people come to know Jesus. A love which is patient and kind, not envious or prideful. A love which puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. A love which protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Do we love like this? Do we love like Jesus? Maybe it's time to ask a simple question. How can we love better? All right, y'all, we got one more for you today. How deep is your love? I can't hear anything. Here we go. You can just snap with us a little bit. We got Zion joining us today. Come on, y'all give it up for Zion. I know your eyes in the morning sun. And I feel you touch me in the pouring rain. And the moment that you wander far from me. I want to feel you in my arms again. And you come to me on a summer breeze. Keep me warm, then you softly leave. And just leave me to show how deep is your love. Is your love, how deep is your love? I'll be 
in my deepest, darkest hour again. You're my savior when I fall. And you may not think that I care for you when you know deep down inside I really do. And you know it's me it's How deep is your love? Is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to learn. Cause we're living in a world of fools. Breaking us down when they all should be. We belong Come on, have a sing. How deep is your love? How deep is your love? Come on, a clap. I really need to learn Cause we're living in a world of fools Breaking us down When they all should let us be We belong One more time, come on, help us sing this thing How deep is your love? How deep is your love? I really need to learn Cause we're living in a world of fools Breaking us down When they all should let us be Yes, we belong to you and me there I am. Good morning and welcome to week two sermon series that we're called or worse. Can we fix the mic? Can I have a mic? At least for now, but I need a separate mic. If we can do that. All righty. Is this better? All righty. Listen, this is week two of our current sermon series. Uh, that we're calling for better or worse. It's one of our traditions here at Converge Church. In the month of February, we dedicate four, sometimes six weeks, uh, to uh, uh, a study on relationships. Uh, and uh, we had a fantastic time last week, and uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Uh, just in case you're new to Converge Church and you're wondering, why are they singing secular music at church? I got three words for you. Here it is. Song of Solomon. Which is Solomon's love song to his beloved Shulamite. And uh, so we, we celebrate love. 
We celebrate relationships. We celebrate marriage here. And, uh, and we trust, we trust that something we share over the next few minutes and actually over the next several weeks will encourage you uh, and uh, strengthen you in your relationships. Not just for those who are married, but even for those who, of you who might be single, uh, single again, those of you who might be engaged, those of you who might be planning uh, for marriage. Now, let me ask you this question because uh, I think it's an important question to kind of level set expectations. Uh, when's the best time, when's the best time uh, to learn how to swim? Uh, before you get in the water or after you get in the water? Before. Listen to me. The worst time to learn how to swim is when you're drowning. Meaning, if you're single, don't wait until you get married to figure out marriage. This is an opportunity to learn how to swim before you get in the water. Amen? So to all my single people in the house, there's something that we're going to share this morning that's going to help you, that's going to equip you, that's going to empower you as you prepare for marriage. For those of you who are already married, we trust that something we say will help you navigate uh, maybe some of the challenges you might be experiencing currently in your relationship. Amen? I think I'm going to borrow a phrase from Kev on stage, who's a, who's a comedian. And uh, Kev on stage has a, not only a book, but he also has a, has a podcast called Marriage Be Hard. Come on, can anybody testify? Last week, we, <laughs> last week we said that marriage is not just a seamless, effortless union of two souls. It is more accurately described as the collision of two histories. When two people come together... We might dream of the fact that marriage, marriages are made in heaven. The truth is they must be maintained on earth. God gives us a blueprint in his word to help us maintain our marriages here on earth. And we believe, we believe here at Converge Church that we all have a 100% chance of success at marriage if we'll do it God's way. The problem is most of, us want, most of us want God's results doing things our way. And the scripture says there is a way that seems right, but the end of it is destruction. The truth is you and I could be sincere about what we believe and still be sincerely wrong if it doesn't align with God's word. So our, our, our desire over the next several weeks is to give you tools in your toolbox. Abraham Maslow, the father of modern psychology, said it this way. If the only thing you have in your hand is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. And most of us apply hammer solutions to things that require a different tool. But when we open our toolbox of relationships and open our toolbox of marriage, all we have is a nail. So we pull out the nail and start to hammer things in that require a different tool. The Word of God gives us sufficient tools for our toolbox for every, simple, every single application, for every single interpersonal relationship. Just in case you think this morning that you're alone, if, if you're working through a hard place in your marriage and in your relationship, just in case you think you're alone, you're not alone. The truth is, marriage be hard. In fact, Ruth Graham Bell uh, was noted for her quick wit and her sense of humor. J 
just in case you don't know who Ruth Graham Bell is, she was Billy Graham's wife. She was asked once if she ever contemplated divorce. And this is what she said. Murder, yes, but never divorce. This is Billy Graham's wife. No, I never thought about divorcing him, but I thought about killing him several times. You know why? Marriage, say it with me, marriage be hard. In fact, y'all heard Pastor Wendy last week. She was right there with Ruth Graham Bell. Said, Ray Harmon, you may have been born in Liberia, but where you gonna die? You gonna die in America. Sometimes that's the sentiment in marriage. Divorce is not an option. Murder is. Because marriage be hard. Listen, last week we examined the parable of the ten coins. Or the parable of the lost coin. And we're going to pick up where we left off. Uh, because we, what we discovered in the text is a couple of things. In fact, let's read the text and then we'll dive into, day, into today's left lesson. Uh, yeah, so if you'd like to follow along, uh, in, uh, along with the notes today, our notes are available in version, the version Bible app. Uh, the instructions are on the screen, and you can follow along there. Uh, Pastor Wendy, why don't you greet the people, and then I'll get ready to go. All right, greetings, everyone. We are so glad to have you this morning. Please excuse my voice. I'm trying to um, get it back right. It is, it tries to give me some trouble, so I know I've been sounding like Grover the last couple of weeks, but amen. Before we dive into the, to today's lesson, I just wanted to encourage you, you know, we, we talk about when we're giving the word of God, breaking up the fallow ground, but I want to go deeper than that. You're going to hear this, this, this teaching from us, but this week I want you to consider what your core beliefs about relationships are. Because if we don't examine that, you can go to marriage counseling, you can listen to the message, but if you don't really get down to what the core, the heart of what you believe, that could be the missing link. It's not the other person, it's not your bad choices, but there are some things that we could believe that's messing things up. Now, not in the Harmon household and not directly in, in the city parts of Liberia, but in some parts of Africa, there is a core belief of polygamous marriages. And so if you are in America and you just haven't examined the, the core belief that it's okay for a man to have more than one wife, then you could actually struggle with being faithful. And it's not that you don't want to be faithful. What it is, it is a core belief that you haven't recognized. And so as you hear the teachings, as you go back and listen to last week's message, and it's not for condemnation, but this is what made me want to go back to core beliefs. We had a little boy in fourth grade, and he was acting like fourth grade boys do in the hallway. So he's in my homeroom class, but he was directed by another teacher. So he had to stand on the line at recess. He missed some minutes. And he is he's a gifted student. And, you know, with that giftedness, they can just be a little quirky, but I love him. His name is Merritt. 
and he's got the longest eyelashes and crystal blue eyes and he is just he talks a little bit like Elmo Fudd but he's just as smart as he could be so Merritt was redirected by another teacher and I can't dispute a colleague so he was on the line so the teacher was really upset because he was on the line with a couple of other boys and she said come here just stand with me because we hold one another accountable and she said you're much nicer than I am and she's like you boys we keep talking about this all the time and you're standing on the line and you're doing all of this and you're running in the hall and Merritt put the hood over his head and I could I couldn't see his eyes but I could see tears coming down and he said I don't want to wake the wolves Even though he didn't make a good choice deep down in his little 10-year-old heart, he said, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to break the rules. And I told him, we just got to let him go, even though I didn't want to override her. Because the core, the heart of him was he didn't want to break the rules. And that made me think about as we were preparing for this marriage series, there are some things we have done in our marriages and there are some words that we have said. And we find ourselves all by ourselves in quiet moments like Merit. I don't want to break the rules. But Merit has to deal with the core value. His core belief is, I'm not going to get caught if the teacher isn't looking. But what happened is he got caught. And he had a core belief of, if as long as they don't see me, I could do what I want to do. What we want Merritt not to do is toe the line. We want him to be a self-guided learner, that he makes the right choice, even when no one is looking. And so I want to pass that on to you, that as you're listening about relationships, really deep down, what are your core beliefs about relationships? I came into my marriage with a core belief of it didn't work out. I got my own job, my own degree, my own career. And if he want to act crazy, I could just get my own place. That doesn't work for a Christian marriage. You know, there was a core belief in my neighborhood that you always have your little secret stash aside. Well, I'm not going to dispute that. Some people, they the wife can have her, her money and the husband knows about it. But if I'm at the core heart of me, believe he's going to mess up and I'm going to always prepare for him to mess up. Sometimes I live out a self-fulfilled prophecy because of my core belief. So going into my marriage, I had to undo, not because of who he was, but because of what the word said. My core belief that I'm a strong black woman, I could take care of myself, and I don't need a man to do nothing for me, and it was a lie from 90 miles to Sunday. I don't identify first as a black woman. I identify first as a daughter of God. I just happen to be black. So I had to challenge those core beliefs because I went to HBCU. I'm all with girl power, natural hair, you know, independence. That does not line up with the word of God. And so he got his teddy bear sweater on. So I may not speak again today. And his ankles are showing. So this may be my one shot, Jesus. So I have come to you today to what say. What my ankles got to do with anything? <laughs> Yeah, but those ankles is saved and they're lotioned full of fire. Shea butter. 
extra. Hey, yeah, yes. extra shea butter. Yes, yes. So I just want to give them all what I have right now because the the the, the, the free flowing, the free from the ankle on up, the free flowing may may happen. But I want you to take your time this week to consider what are your core beliefs about relationships. Yeah. That could be in marriage. It could be in friendships. There's women in here that believe, I don't fool with women, they messy. Not all of them. If you come to Converge, we don't do no mess. And so we have to examine that we can have a core belief, I don't fool with women, all of them messy, but then we still feel lonely, but then we say, but I don't fool with women. So we have to undo. Sometimes core beliefs are established for our protection for that season. But it is not meant as we become Christ followers and we are exposed to the word and we accept the word. We are not to operate in that. It is not raise Harmon's duty to make my life happy and complete. That can only come from God. It is not my duty to make Ray feel like a man and make him happy. I am not enough and I never will be. He can only get that from God. Now, me being submitted to God, I come alongside of him. And I can complement what God has given him. And I can be a help and a blessing to him. But I'm not designed to be everything for him. You are not designed to be everything for your spouses. But if I continue to keep my relationship sound with God... I can be everything that he needs as a wife. See, sometimes we just try to deal with relationships right here, right here, right here, when it has to start here. If I am my best for God, then he's going to get the overflow. Absolutely. Matthew says, 633 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness means right standing. I'm supposed to seek God first, being right standing with him, and all these things shall come after these. That means being a good wife, being a good uh, employee, being a good mother, being a good friend, being a good sister. All those things will follow after if I seek ye first. So, examine your core beliefs about relationships and make sure that this is a sound connection so that these connections can flow smoothly. Fantastic, awesome, awesome work. Core beliefs are critical, right? Uh, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your life and my life will never rise above the level of our thoughts, what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about others. Our core beliefs matter. Here at Converge Church, we say it this way, your environment will determine what you're exposed to. I grew up in Liberia, West Africa, and I was exposed to something entirely different from what Pastor Wendy was exposed to. But your environment, the environment into which you were born, the environment where you were nurtured will determine what you're exposed to. Uh, what you're exposed to will determine your experiences. And your experiences will determine your expectations, good or bad. And that's what we bring to marriage. The, the, the thing is, uh, we all come to marriage with our own marinade. And our marinade has those four ingredients. It has the environment into which you were born. For instance, if in your, let, let's do this real quick. Uh, everybody show your love for Ben Barker, a.k.a. White Chocolate on the Keys. 
And I think we're good to go for now. I think we're good to go. We're going to dive into the message. Um, uh, he can't hear me? Okay. Thank you. You can hear me? Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for setting the mood and the atmosphere, man. I'm, come on, somebody. I was ready to take a nap. Come on, somebody. We all come to marriage and relationships with our own unique marinade. Your marinade is what you have normalized. The four ingredients in your marinade are those four things. It is a combination of your environment. For instance, you may have grown up in an environment where the way you resolve conflict was to shout. Somebody else that you married to now may have grown up in an environment where they didn't engage, they retreated. That's how you dealt with conflict, and that's what you normalized. The problem is when we come into marriage and we don't have an appreciation for our core beliefs, it can create conflict. Those are the things we're going to talk through this morning um, as we dive into the word together. Let me pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We approach it now with great reverence and humility. And Lord, we thank you for the blueprint you've already given us in your word. And Lord, we yield to that now. Uh, apart from the cultural influences, Lord, we turn to your word that will never return unto you void. God, marriage was your idea. And God, we can turn to the author and the creator of this covenant to find the instructions, the blueprint, and the roadmap that we need to win, not just in marriage, but in all of our interpersonal relationships. We trust you to do it now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. Uh, let's read our anchor text quickly uh, because this will give us context for our conversation this morning. You know that here at Converge Church, we are sticklers for God's word. It informs everything that we do. And we're okay being counterculture, meaning if the word of God goes against what is popular in culture, we're okay with that. We're okay with standing out, not trying to fit in. Are y'all with me? Okay, so we might challenge some core beliefs that are not rooted in God's word. They might be rooted in cultural influences. Uh, but notice what the text says in Luke chapter 15, verse, verses 8 and 9. Uh, Jesus uh, wanted to emphasize God's great love for humanity, his passion for the lost, but not only his passion for the lost, his intentional pursuit of everything that was lost. There's three uh, uh, parables that Jesus uses to communicate this idea that he is passionate about the lost. The first story is the parable of the lost sheep. We're familiar with that story. The third story is the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. We're very familiar with that story. Uh, in between those two stories is the story of the lost coin or the parable of the lost coin. Uh, last week we talked about this extensively that uh, in Jewish culture, uh, part of the dowry was a, a, a garland, a crown of, uh, that had 10 coins. Uh, the 10 coins were 10 drachma. A drachma was equivalent to a day's wages for an agricultural worker. Uh, if a woman lost one of those coins, she was considered uh, uh, irresponsible. Uh, in a lot of ways, it was like losing your wedding band. And so that we see two things in the text. Number one, we see the recognition. This woman recognized that something of value was lost. The second thing we see is the urgency to find what was lost. Uh, it wasn't okay for her to be blasé or nonchalant 
after she recognized something was lost. And part of what we're doing in this series is we're challenging each of us, including myself, to first of all consider, is there something missing in my marriage? Is there something lost in my marriage that we once had? And what should my response be? It should be an intentional, persistent desire to find what was lost. In fact, last week I alluded to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the church at Sardis, and he says, Be watchful and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For some of us, your relationships, your marriage might be on life support. Uh, you might be at your wit's end. Yet we find this admonition. These are the words of Jesus himself in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. And so this woman uh, uh, in the story recognizes that one of the coins is lost. And I'll read the text beginning in verse 8. It says, on what woman having 10 silver coins, 10 drachma, 10 days wages, it may not seem like a whole lot, but for a family that was economically disadvantaged, this was a precious gift, a garland that a woman who was married would wear on special occasions. Imagine the panic going in her drawer, pulling out the drawer, taking out this garland and seeing only nine coins. The scripture says, uh, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp. First thing you got to do is turn the light on, y'all. Shed light on it. Uh, just because you pretend it doesn't exist doesn't make it go away. One of the things we say here at Converge Church is you can't hide stink. It's only a matter of time. I don't care how much you cover it up. I don't, know, I don't care if you put it in the garage, eventually stink comes out. Psychologists suggest that the reason kids enjoy peekaboo so much is because they believe that when they cover their eyes and they can't see you, you can't see them. That when they cover their eyes and you disappear, they think they've disappeared too. And most of us play peekaboo with our marriages. We play peekaboo with our relationships. We're afraid to have crucial conversations. We're afraid to talk about the stink, and what we do is play peekaboo. And if I close my eyes, it goes away. Not true. Yes. I just want to encourage you. A lot of times people believe that if I bring it up, it's going to be a festival of everything that I am not. Mm. Some people believe that they struggle with going to counseling because they feel like if we sit in front of the counselor, it's just going to be a fest of all the things that I have done wrong. The Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation Good. to them that are in Christ. So if you have a spouse or a partner that wants to just talk about what you're doing wrong, I encourage you to just have the courage to know who you are in Christ, do a once and for all, Lord, I know I've messed up, please forgive me, and then be brave and face the thing. 
and just say, I know I've done some things wrong in the past. I've noticed that we are not coming together as much as we should. I notice we're not going out to dinner, and I want things to change. Remember Merritt, he didn't have an answer to his dilemma. All he had was a desire to present. I don't want to do wrong. So if that's all you have to present, I wanted us to just kind of create a safe space for you to feel like a lot of times people don't approach circumstances, not because they don't want to. They just don't want to be reminded of all the things that they are not and all the bad things that they've done. So this week, when your partner or spouse approaches you, you be the safe place. You be the safe space for them to say, you know, I noticed some things are off and I want them to get right. Don't stand flat foot, especially if you attend Converge Church. If you're a woman that comes to Converge Church, you don't even have to come to Converge Church. Don't do this. Well, I've been waiting for you to say something about it because we've been going all this time and Pastor Ray been already teaching for two weeks. Don't put me in it. Yeah, yeah. But that's what they do and then y'all My get mad at Bennett, us. I ain't in it. Come and on. just have, have just in your heart. And if the wife comes and says, all the yelling and screaming and stonewalling I've been doing, I don't want to be that way. Then don't look at her with your mouth turned up on the side. Hmm. Just say, thank you, baby. I receive that. We need to learn to give each other room to grow. If you know all their mistakes, they know all their mistakes. And if they're pretending they don't know, it's because they are hiding. That is the safe place for them. So I want you to know it's okay for you to approach and say, I don't want to be like this. I'm not talking theoretically. I have gone to Pastor Ray. I know I'm yelling. I don't want to be this way. And sometimes it's making me emotional. One time I was with him, and I'd just be wilding out. But you see how I'm already naturally wild. And so then I was like, I'm leaving. He was like, why are you leaving? And I just cried. I said, because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed about how I act. I don't act like that anymore. I was like, I'm embarrassed about the words that come out of my mouth. And you know what his response was? He said, baby, I love you. You don't have to be embarrassed. He made it safe for me. And that's been years, and I'm still emotional about it because I am married. I didn't want to be that way. So I just wanted to jump in as we're encouraging people to challenge one another. We need to empower them that it is safe. You have to be safe for your person. And even though things can be tough, we have been through some tough years. Some ugly years. But here we are. Here we are. We didn't die in the process. He didn't die in the process. <laughs> hey! Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you, sweetie. Our hair right. grayed, but we had to become safe spaces for one another. So women, if you find yourself on the Wild and Out crew, like I've been delivered from, get you some tissue, make yourself some hot tea, go and stand in the doorway and say, I am sorry, I don't want to be this way. Please forgive me, and then go in the other room, and then come to Converge Her on Wednesday. Men, if you've messed up, just go, I'm sorry. I may not be able to fix it, 
what I've done, but I do want to be better. And then today is Super Bowl Sunday, and then both of y'all, somebody get some chips, somebody turn on the game, and then it's <laughs> little by little. But if you could just start with acknowledging I haven't wanted to be this way and be safe. It's not the time for conversation. Let it just be the opening of things getting better. Amen. Amen. So that's a perfect segue because last week we talked about the first two coins that are missing from the woman's garland. We talked about the coin of curiosity. Uh, the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 3, husbands dwell with your wives with understanding. Uh, one of the things that is evident in a marriage, uh, one of the first things that becomes evident that lets us know that we have a missing coin is when we lose that sense of curiosity about our spouse. Number two, we talked about communion. I won't belabor the point. If you weren't here, you can catch the sermon on demand on uh, YouTube and also on Facebook. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the third coin. We're going to talk about the third coin. And you may identify yourself in any of these coins, and you might say, you know what, this is missing uh, from my relationship. I need to uh, uh, be urgent. I need to be intentional about sweeping the house, turning on the light, and searching until I find that missing coin. Now, again, let me reiterate what Pastor Wendy said. You are in a judgment-free zone, uh, uh, and, and we want you to understand that there is no condemnation. Uh, when God confronts us, it's because he wants to be redemptive in our lives. He doesn't confront us to shame us. He confronts us to make us aware sometimes of the blind spots that we have. And here at Converge, we say you know you have a blind spot when you are oblivious to what is obvious to everyone else. And sometimes it takes God's divine intervention to make us aware of the things that we have been oblivious to. Third coin we're going to talk about is the, is the coin of charity. Charity. Um, charity is simply defined as kindness, here it is, kindness and tolerance in judging others. Kindness and tolerance in judging others. Pastor Wendy and I have fielded conversations. In fact, we've been in the room with people. Who profess to love Jesus and their words to each other. If you had used that kind of language on your job, you would be fired. Yet somewhere in our heads, we think it's okay to describe the person that we have entered into covenant with, with that same language and that same tone. And part of the problem in it, when we lose that coin of charity is we have a tendency to judge people, others, by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. And we have a different standard. We have a double standard in how we judge others versus how we judge ourselves. How do I know the coin of charity in my marriage is missing it's when I become unsafe. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7 that love, listen to me, love always protects. I want you to stop and think for a second about the posture of your heart, your tone and tenor toward your spouse or your significant other. Is it protective? 
Are you covering them? Because here's, here's what the scripture says. Love will cover a multitude of sins. How do I know that the coin of charity is lost? When I become unsafe. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. That's what charity looks like. The, the, the Passion Translation says it this way, and I love this. It says, love is a safe place of shelter. Listen to me. Too many of us have made... Ah, let me not get ahead of myself. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops, listen to me, never stops believing the best. That's the problem with the assumptions we make. We should believe the best first instead of assuming the worst. Because love has a way of believing the best even when the worst has been displayed. Okay, um, notice what it says in the tra Passion Translation, love never takes failure as defeat because it never gives up. So be generous with your praise. Be kind with your feedback. Be affirming with your compliments. Be generous with your assumptions and your emotional energy. I think I got it. Were you going to jump in? Because if you jump in, after you jump in, I'm going to stand up. Okay. And when I stand up, you already know what time it is. Yeah, the right, ankles, they need to breathe. Yes, ma'am. The love we're talking about is not a fleshly, ooh, you're cute, I like you, I'm attracted to you. The one translation when we did a study um, of 1 Corinthians 13 when we were in Bible college, uh, one translation says, the God kind of love in us. And that is that decisive love. I am going to choose to be my best for God so that I'm my best for you. Because the love that attracts us and helps us get to the altar, honey, that love is fickle. Because that love is based off of how I feel. When uh, we were in Bible college, we weren't dating yet, but I worked with a girl who got married in her night at the time. This is probably 1997, 98. Her 90-something-year-old grandmother was, was there at the wedding. And I asked the grandmother, what's the secret to love? And she said, I said, what's the secret to being married? The grandmother had been married 64 years or something like that. What's the secret to being married so long? She said, never fall out of love on the same day. Come on. She said, because if you give 10% one day, he might be giving 76% that same day. You're going to be all right. And then some days he can only give 2% and you've got a full 98 going and it's going to be all right. She said, if you fall out of love on the same day, that's where you're going to have the problem. So if he's upset on Tuesday and you holding it down on Tuesday, you're good. If you're ready to throw in the towel on Friday, but he's all ready for the weekend, you're good. Never fall out of love. That emotional type of love that is fickle and can change. But the God kind of love in us is a decisive love. I am going to be who I committed to be before God. It doesn't mean you have to like what's going on. 
It means that you will lovingly confront, but you have made a commitment. God, I am going to be committed to you. I'm going to let you get in. I had something else to say, but I think it's going to take us to Mexico, and we want to stay here in Texas, so you go. (laughs) All right. So here it is, charity. There's an incredible story, and it is a a, a story that is historically accurate, but I think it also speaks to the metaphor of charity in relationships. There are two responses in how we show charity. So the story is the story of Jacob. In fact, it is the original sister-wives. Them ankles are already going. Oh, I'm Lord. <laughs> I'm going to sit down. Sister now. wives. No, be Can free, you hold my this? King. Can you hold this for me? Yes, sir. I'm talking about charity in, in marriage, right? So, so Jacob comes to his hometown, and he sees this young lady, and her name is uh, Rachel. Uh, it's love at first sight. In fact, the scripture says he gives her a kiss. And he starts weeping. <laughs> Jacob was a little emo. <laughs> the truth is, Jacob was always doing the most. But it was love at first sight. Not only was it love at first sight, you know the story. He tells Rachel's dad, Laban, I love this girl so much. And I see her, her significance and her inherent value that I will work seven years for her hand in marriage. He loved her, but he wasn't in a hurry. Because there's a lot of stuff that you can learn about somebody over seven years. Regardless of that first kiss and what you felt in that first moment. Jacob honors his commitment, works for Laban for seven years. Y'all know the story. He does, Laban does the switcheroo. On the night of his wedding, instead of getting Rachel, he gets Leah. Leah wasn't as pretty as her sister, her younger sister, Rachel. And so Jacob makes this commitment, I'm going to work seven more years for the woman that I love. On the one hand, You see the effort because you know that charity is in the relationship by two things, priority and pursuit. You know the coin of charity is lost when in your relationship you no longer feel like a priority and you're no longer being pursued. These two sisters are a metaphor for what often happens in marriage. So he prioritized and pursued Rachel, but notice his response. Notice his response to Leah. Baby, would you read Genesis 29? Because now now they're married, uh, and this is what happens. In Genesis chapter 29, I think it's 31. 31, okay. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, And she called his name Reuben, for she said, the Lord has surely looked up upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Keep going. Keep going. 
Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again. No, that's the last for, okay. for now. The reason I wanted to, to share that story is because you can see the contrast in how Jacob responds to Leah, the woman he doesn't love. He prioritizes and pursues Rachel. But as uh, uh, Leah is giving him sons, the names she gives her sons reveals what is happening to her internally. Let me tell you something. You know you have lost the coin of charity in your relationship when you feel invisible in your own house. She has the first son and names him Reuben. Do you see me? She has the second son and names him Simeon, which means to hear. Do you hear me? She has a third son and names him. Now that I've given you a third son, will you finally, Jacob, become attached to me? And you know that you have lost the coin of charity when the person that you are connected to treats you like you're invisible. And your relationship is reduced to your performance because Leah can do something that Rachel can't do. Rachel is barren, even though Jacob loves her. But he comes to Leah to give him something that the woman he loved couldn't give him. And while she is performing her way into his approval, he still ignores her. And with every child, she's begging for his attention and his affection. Maybe if I cook the next meal right. Uh, uh, we sat across, listen to me. Men who compare their wives to their ex-girlfriend. Men, grown men, who are cowardly enough to compare their wife's cooking to their mama's cooking. And your wife is under your roof. And she's saying to you, do you see me? Do you hear me? Will you become attached to me? She has a fourth son. And the fourth son, she finally realized that I'm looking for Jacob to fulfill me in ways that only God can. And that's the mistake sometimes we make. Pastor Wendy alluded to it. You can't expect your spouse to fulfill you in ways that only God can. Because the more you squeeze them, you'll get more of their humanity, not more of Jesus. I could go on with the story of the, the woman at the well. Because five times she did it God's way, she got married. The sixth time, it's like doing it God's way doesn't even pay off. I'm just going to shack and live with this guy. Nothing in her life changed until she had an encounter with the seventh man. 
because she looked for six men to fulfill her in ways only God could. Can I just read something again from uh, Ruth Graham Bell, Billy Graham's wife? She said this, it is foolish for a woman, I'm sorry, it is a foolish woman who expects her husband to be to her that which only Jesus Christ himself can be. Always ready to forgive, totally understanding, unendingly patient, invariably tender and loving, unfailing in every area, anticipating every need, and making more than adequate provision. Such expectations put a man under an impossible strain. These are the words of Billy Graham's wife. How do I know the coin of charity is gone? I'm no longer the priority, and I'm no longer pursued, and I become invisible. She has the fourth son, and she names him Judah, which means praise. You know what she was saying? Whether he approves of me or not, whether he sees me or not, whether he hears me or not, I'm good. My fulfillment comes from the Lord and the Lord alone. People think that this idea from Jerry Maguire, listen, this whole you complete me business, you better bring your whole self to the marriage, not looking for someone else to complete something in you. And that's why the scripture says in Colossians that we are complete in him. Our completeness doesn't come from who's on our shoulder or who's on our arm. Our completeness is in him. Have you lost the coin of charity? Uh, here's the other thing I'm going to say about that. Your relationship when it comes to charity, kindness, listen to me, kindness, just being kind to your spouse. It blows my mind that we sit across from people sometimes who have been in church for years, who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and the way they treat their spouse. No kindness, only contempt. Only contempt. Your marriage should be a demilitarized zone. If you go to uh, South Korea, right at the South Korea-North Korea border, there is a demilitarized zone. Your marriage ought to be a safe place where you bring no weapons of mass destruction. And one of the weapons of mass destruction that we have learned to wield with great efficiency is our words. And this is what we do. We weaponize our words. You know exactly what to say to get him. I'm going to talk to the... To can I talk, I'm going to talk to the men, I'm going to talk to the women. No, let me talk to the women first. Now talk to the men. No, who I want to talk to first? <laughs> I want to land softly. I got to get this right. Um, 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 ladies, inside every man, there's a king and there's a fool. And whoever you speak to determines what you're going to get. If you speak to the fool in a man, what you're going to get out of him is a fool. 
But if you speak to the king of that man, you will get a king out of him. We have a fictional character we call common leader. Come on, somebody. Ladies, let me just help you. When your husband walks through the door, give him a couple minutes. Please. At least let him take off his shoes. Yeah, see, I got a witness right back there. Come on. Give him, give, give him a lip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, give, let him take off his shoes. Take off his jacket. Before you start hitting him with all the things that didn't go right today. When that happens, you're going to get one version of him. And that's the fool in him. You know why that's important? Because when he goes to work, though, Kamalita's at work. And she's telling him what a fantastic job he did on that presentation. Oh, fantastic job. In fact, Carmelita sound like Eartha Kitt. Marcus. <laughs> Come on, somebody. She got that raspy voice, man. Listen, I'm telling you, boomerang. And when, when he go to work, all of a sudden now he want to stay at work longer. Because when he goes to work, Carmelita is speaking to the king in him. When he comes home, he's reminded of all his deficiencies. Listen, the Lord gave me a revelation. You know what the scripture says? Uh, not revelation, but this is scripture. But the Lord helped me see something. It said, for a man. It said it's better for him to live on a rooftop. Than in a house, under a roof, with a nagging wife. Let me tell you the revelation the Lord gave me. Snoopy was married. Can we, can, we, can we show the evidence? Can we show the evidence? We never saw his wife. But Charles Schultz was letting us know that inside that red house, there was a nagging wife. And Snoopy said, I could live here for the rest of my life. Listen to me, speak to the king in him. And speaking to the king in him is not limited only to his performance. Jesus affirmed Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, God affirmed Jesus and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased long before Jesus performed his first miracle. It's a big, big deal. Men to your wives, be generous with your affirmation of her, man. Your compliments. And here it is. I had to learn this lesson early on in our marriage. Your emotional energy. Don't give the world the best of what you have to offer and leave your wife and, 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 and family with nothing. There were many times I would walk through the door empty. And I had given the church, I had given people, listen to me, um, I had allowed 
the pulpit and the platform to be my phone booth, and I turned into Superman. When I went home, I had nothing left. You know the coin of charity and kindness is gone when you don't prioritize your emotional energy for your family. We got to close, but let me give you the fourth coin. Y'all ready for the fourth coin? Uh, coin number four. Coin number four, in no particular order, but coin number four is clarity. Uh, one of the things, again, we learn from our own experience, but also just walking with couples and counseling couples is so many people get married, but they don't have a vision for their family beyond the wedding. The wedding's just one day. Your marriage is designed to last a lifetime. Do you have clarity? Do you have a vision for your family? Or are you guys just going day to day? Listen, notice, notice what happens in Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. It says, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Why am I even reading that verse? Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, those were Adam's words, not God's. Adam had clarity and he had vision for what God was presenting to him. He saw Eve's value and he saw her worth. And I wonder, I wonder how many of us have answered these questions. What is our plan for our marriage? What is our strategy for our marriage? Are we executing our plan and strategy for our family? Do we have a vision for our marriage? And here it is. What, listen to me, what is our marriage contributing to the story of God? Because most of us just make marriage about boy meets girl, boy marries girl, and they live happily ever. But what is your marriage contributing to the story of God? Psalm 128, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 128. Verses 1 through 6. Can you read that for me, baby? And while you're turning there, I'll tell you why this is important. If you say, Pastor Ray, I don't even know where to start. I don't have a vision for my marriage. Just start with Psalm 128. Psalm 128 is unique because it's one of the psalms that the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, would sing on their way uh, to the temple on the three holy days. So this would have been one of those psalms that Jesus himself sang on the three high holy days, Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, uh, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, and also Passover. As people made the trek from wherever they were coming from to Jerusalem, uh, to the temple, they would sing Psalm 128, and it's a beautiful picture of vision for marriage and family. Would you read that for us? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. 
Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine Come on. in the very heart. Your children like olive plants mm. all around your table. Oh, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, mm. and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be unto Israel. This is such a beautiful picture of what a family and a man with vision for his family looks like. Number one, he fears the Lord. And when he fears the Lord, his wife flourishes. She's like an, what's it say, a, an olive tree or an olive branch. It says your wife shall be like a fruitful vine. A fruitful vine. And then your children, it talks about the blessing that will be upon your children. And it talks about the blessing that will come upon that man who fears the Lord. And it says he will be blessed in Zion. And then it says even his children's children will be blessed. I encourage you as a family to get a vision for your family. Several years ago, we came up with what we call our Harmon Family Values. And our Harmon Family Values are just an acrostic for the word family. The F, the F is have fun. The vision for our family is that we're going to laugh together because this is why that's important. When the laughing stops, it is often replaced by shouting or silence. And you can determine the health of your marriage by how much you laugh because when the laughter goes, it is often replaced by silence where people retreat and suffer in silence or it is replaced by shouting. The, the, the A of family for us, our vision for our family is we're going to affirm each other often. We're going to speak life and blessing. And the word blessing in the Greek comes from the word we get eulogy. It's eulogio, which means to speak well of. So when I open my mouth to talk to Pastor Wendy, or about Pastor Wendy, when I open my mouth to talk to my children or about my children, I am going to eulogize them. I'm going to speak well of them. I'm going to speak blessing. Affirm each other often. I don't see what I'm saying. Most of us are critical when we should be complimentary. The M is maximize moments and make memories. Those two things are very important for our family. We're going to maximize moments and we're going to make memories. I still remember one night <clears throat> I went to tuck Nia in and uh, I was lying in bed with her, had read her bedtime story to her and had prayed for her. And I'm just lying in bed and all of a sudden she says, Daddy. I said, what, what's up, punk? Because I call her punk. It's short for pumpkin. And she let me into her world. Something that she, I never would have heard her say, something I would have never known if I hadn't prioritized that moment. Are y'all with me? We maximize moments and we make memories in our family. Uh, the third thing we do is we inspire, or the fourth thing is the I, which is inspire greatness. Inspire greatness. Let your children know they can be above only and not beneath, the head and not the tail. Blessed going out, blessed coming in. So we challenge, not myself, not only myself, Pastor Wendy, we inspire greatness 
and we push for excellence. The L is love unconditionally. One of the things that's most important to us and our children is no matter what, baby, you can come home. The prodigal son, when he was at his worst, said to himself, in spite of everything I've done, for those of you who have written off your kids, probably the reason they're still out there is because they know they can't come home. And I said this in our Next Steps class, and it bears repeating, and I, I just sense the Lord tugging my heart. For those of us who are given to writing people off, and somehow think, to, think it's biblical, I, I, I always get a kick out of it because I see pastors post this, I see church people post this, and, and so they say, yeah, yeah, if somebody can walk out of out your life, then they ain't part of your destiny. Oh, man, come see thousands of likes, 12,000 likes, 15,000 likes. And my problem with that statement is simply, well, then what do you do with the prodigal son, though? Because after he had squandered all of his possessions, he came back to his father's house, and he was fully restored. Robe on his back, signet ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Well, yeah, 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 so, no, 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 what do you do with Peter? Who, when Jesus was at his lowest moment... Peter denied him three times. And the scripture says the third time Jesus turned to him. And Peter began to weep. When Jesus was trying to figure out who he would put in charge of the church, he didn't pick John who was at the cross with Jesus, I mean with Mary. He picked Peter who denied him three times to be the head of the church. For those of us who are given to writing people off, let me give you one more. What do you do with, with, with uh, um, Paul and Barnabas and Mark? These two men of God had this big falling out over John Mark. Say John Mark ain't fit for ministry. And so they parted ways, Paul and Barnabas. Only for Paul at the end of his life to say, send John Mark to me. He is profitable to me for the ministry. Not only that, John Mark is the author of the Gospel of Mark. Someone that Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the Gospel, had written off. How many of you realize that God loves people you hate? No, no, I'm talking about Jonah. God's, Jonah said, God, kill them all. And God says, no, I love them. And Jonah threw a fit. And we have written off people, and we have chosen to despise people. This is just about marriage, and it actually could be about marriage too. But we write people off that God still loves. What's your vision for your family? Here's the why of family. You and I will never be able to do the first four if we don't do the why first, which is yield to God. None of this, none of what we're talking about would be possible without our hearts, first of all, being yielded to God. So my question is, do you have clarity and vision for your marriage, for your family, what it's supposed to look like? Yes, I know you fell in love, you got the lovey-dovey stuff. Now that you're married, what's your vision for your future, for your finances, 
or you're just winging it. Because that's a coin that's missing in a lot of marriages. I promise you, this is the last one I'm going to give you. Hey, Let me baby, just give this just before, before you yeah. close out, I'm gonna, yeah, I want to help some people out. This is, in general terms, we're not talking about not having healthy boundaries. Right. Good. If you're in situations that um, people are, uh, are in complete, obstinate defiance of what it should be, we're not saying for you not to have boundaries and welcome chaos in. Very I had a family good. member who uh, struggled with substance abuse, and there were some, it wasn't in my immediate home, uh, household, but there were some boundaries that needed to be set. And so uh, we are not talking about n taking down healthy boundaries when we're saying don't write people off. You can still love people. In John, is it 242, 252, it says, uh, Jesus entrusted himself right. to, to no man, yeah. for he knew the hearts of all men, yet he loved them to the very end. It means that he didn't put his worth into man's approval or disapproval. He got that from God, but he still loved them to the very end. Yeah. So don't hear us say you've got to, if you've got somebody who is just... Um, whether it's a coworker or a family member who is violating what you stand for in those boundaries, you don't have to to do that. If Very if it's good. your spouse, then you know we need to seek out some help. We don't want anybody in harm's way, anybody being uh, physically or verbally abused. So that is not what we are saying. Very good, and uh, very good point. And that's a segue into into uh, my final point. And I promise you, I'm going to go fast and furious. Um, one close today, I promise, uh, one close, but here it is, here it is, uh, to Pastor Wendy's point. The way we say it here at Converge Church is, and, and you're absolutely right, right, because if we're not careful, we can become enablers, right? And what we say is, you know you've become an enabler when helping them is hurting you. And when helping them is hurting you, and you have become an enabler, you need to have healthy boundaries. But this is what we say about boundaries. Boundaries determine the distance at which you can love both them and yourself simultaneously. I'll say that again. Healthy boundaries will determine the distance at which you can love them and yourself. Because sometimes, if you're not careful, if you're an enabler, if you are a rescuer, Loving them means you're not loving yourself. Boundaries will allow you to love them, but also love yourself simultaneously. Are y'all with me? Here's the last one. The fifth coin, we'll pick up the other ten next week. Here's the fifth coin. Um, hmm? I'm sorry, the other five. We'll pick up the other five next week. The other five next week. Bad math. The other five next week. Y'all ready for this one? All of these are C's. Uh, but the fifth one is the coin of contrition. Contrition. Uh, contrition just simply means to be sorry. Everybody waits to see who will go first. Notice what James chapter 5 verse 16 from the Passion Translation says. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then pray 
for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Again, when we sit with couples, it's amazing how much unforgiveness we harbor one to another. Several years ago, John Gottman wrote a book, and he called it The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And he said he can, de he can determine, he can predict with 95% accuracy, yes, and you guys can come, 95% accuracy which marriages will end in divorce. And he said, one, if your marriage is given to sarcasm, you know those low blows, It's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse that will ne negatively impact your marriage and if left unchecked, can destroy your marriage. He talks about the, the horsemen called stonewalling, where you shut down and can't nobody get nothing out of you. When you're confronted with the truth, you shut down. When you're confronted with the truth about yourself, you stonewall and you give the silent treatment. If you're given to stonewalling, it is a horseman of the apocalypse that will determine whether your relationship lives or dies. But when it comes to contrition, there's a third horseman that Gottman talks about. And it's called contempt. It's when you live with unforgiveness in your heart toward your spouse. And you can't just get over it. The state of being remorseful. No, that's, that's contrition. Uh, it's the state of harboring resentment in your heart toward another. And I talked about it last week. It's like living on low simmer. The pan's been sitting on the stove, and you just had the heat on real, and didn't even know until you put the onions in the pan or you put some salt in the pan, and all of a sudden, shh. And that's where most of us live with the people in our lives, on low simmer. A resentment toward your partner. You know why? Because we haven't lived out James chapter 5 and verse 6. And that's, let me tell you what that requires as I close. It requires, first of all, humility. The humility to say, I was wrong. The problem is, the scripture says in Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for him than a fool. And that's what we bring to relationships, right? We, we got it all figured out. It's got to be our way, and we're the smartest one in the room. And when you have that posture, you don't have humility, the kind of humility that will allow you to have contrition. And the problem is, without humility, you lose that coin. Last thing is the coin of honor. I mean honor. What's the verse we have in there for honor? Romans 10, 12. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. In the New King James, it says, preferring the other above yourself. 
What if we lived in such a way in our marriages and our relationships when we prioritized others over ourselves in humility and in honor? The good news is this morning that in Christ and because of Jesus, everything that is lost can be and one of these days, Pastor Wendy and I will probably tell you the entirety of our story. Uh, it hasn't always been easy. But it's been worth it. And God, I know, is redemptive in all that he does. And this is what I know. If he could do it for us, if he could do it for us, Listen, I'm not standing in front of you as somebody who did it all right. I did a whole lot of stuff wrong. I'm telling you, I did a whole lot of stuff wrong. But God is redemptive in all he does. And if you submit your marriage and submit your relationships to God, even now God can strengthen the little bit that remains and is about to die. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we honor you, we thank you, God, uh, for this moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you say to yourself, Pastor Ray, Pastor Ray, um, there are coins lost from my garland. For some it might be one, for some it might be two. For some it might be, Lord, I've got nothing left, just a little. I want to pray for you, and Pastor Wendy and I want to pray for you. If you just slip up your hand as a simple act of faith and surrender to God, I want to pray for you with every head bow. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Thank you, Father. I see those hands. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Father, right now we submit and commit these to you. God, we thank you that you are a restorer. And Father, with this simple act of humility, and obedience, God, I pray that you will invade these lives, invade these marriages, invade these relationships. Father, breathe new life over these couples, these husbands and these wives. And Father, I pray that you will restore everything that the enemy tried to steal in their lives and in their marriages. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that they will assume the posture of humility and honor. That they will not be wise in their own eyes, but God, they will be willing to hear the truth. Not just the truth, but even the truth about themselves spoken in love. I pray, God, that you will give us the grace, Father, each of us, to make our marriages demilitarized zones. That we will no longer weaponize our words, but that, God, our words will be seasoned with salt. And that we will speak life over our families and our marriages in Jesus' name. We give you the glory. We give you the honor and we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody this morning? Fantastic. Once again, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Pastor Jesse, why don't you come? Uh, why don't you stand with us as Pastor Jesse comes? Remember, we have Fight Club on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. for the men right here and then uh, in the rail. And then for the women, you guys meet on Wednesday nights 
at 7 p.m. If you've crossed the line of faith recently, trusted God uh, as your Lord and Savior, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you've never been baptized by immersion, we want to celebrate this important faith milestone with you on February 26th. We'll have more information at the Connection Center. Again, thank you so much for coming. Pastor Wendy and I will be at the Connection Center. If you're first time guest with us, we want to hug your neck, shake your hand, and say thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Jesse. Thank you so much for coming again. We won't hold you. Just want to pray a quick prayer for you. It comes from the vows of, of marriage. You know, it says, for better or worse, or for richer or poor, or in sickness or in health. In all relationships, I'm going to pray this prayer. Bow your heads. Father, I pray today. And in all of our relationships, husband, wives, families, I pray, Almighty God, that our relationships are going to be better. I pray, Almighty God, that our relationships are going to be richer. And I pray today, Almighty God, that our relationships are going to be healthy. So thank you, Almighty God, as we depart today. May your face shine upon us. May you bless us, may you be gracious to us, and may we fulfill your plan and purpose in our lives as we walk in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Look at someone and say, have a great week. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurchatweareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience and we look forward to staying connected with you.